and welcome back to Antisocial Anecdotes. I am your host, AC, and I'm here to share some funny stories and anecdotes about living life in Brazil. Today we have a few letters from some listeners, which is exciting. Uh, let's jump into the first one here. It says, Dear AC, I just want you to know how much my wife and I are enjoying your podcast. It's a perfect blend of laughter and learning. Keep up the good work. Thank you, lovely listener, for your kind words. Always happy to share a laugh. Uh, the second one we have here says, Hello, AC. Love the podcast. I'm curious, what are some of your favorite foods that you can't find in Brazil? That is an excellent question, and we'll get to that in a sec. But first, I wanted to tell you a funny story. I was chatting with someone this week about the journey to get to Brazil, and people are often really surprised by how long it takes to get here. If we didn't live in such like a tiny remote city, I'm sure it wouldn't be nearly as bad, but I'm coming home at Christmas time, and my total travel time is going to be 33 hours going there and almost 40 coming back. There's just so many layovers and flights, and it's honestly just the most exhausting travel ever. I've made this trip, I think, nine or ten times already in my life, and I've flown by myself, I've flown pregnant, I've flown with kids, I've flown with my husband without, and obviously with kids is just the worst because everyone is tired and hungry, and of course I have to be the adult and I don't just get to eat snacks and watch movies, and it kind of sucks. But I've got a story that I was reminded about on one of these trips to Brazil. So after I got married, we lived here in Brazil for about two years, and during this time I was pregnant with my son, and I hadn't planned on traveling or anything, but my best friend was getting married, and I really wanted to come back to Canada for her wedding. So I decided to come, and my husband couldn't travel at the time because he didn't have a Canadian visa yet, we were in the process of getting it. So I had to go by myself, which was fine. I had, you know, made this journey quite a few times already in my life, but I was six months pregnant. So just, you know, feeling really tired and nauseous and taking up extra space, you know how it goes. So I wasn't super looking forward to the journey, but I was like, well, you know, I've made this trip so many times already and it always goes pretty smooth. So like, what's the worst that could happen? And that is something I have learned you should never say out loud because the universe has ears and something is sure to happen. So the longest leg of the Canada-Brazil journey is always the flight from Toronto to Brazil or wherever you fly out of in Canada. It's usually like, not always, but often a direct flight from, you know, Vancouver, or Calgary, wherever you're flying out from. I always fly out from Toronto. And so that flight is just over 10 hours usually direct. So it's a long time to be on a plane, but it's overnight. So, it, you know, it always leaves around 10 p.m., flies through the night, and then you, you know, get there in the morning. So it's not too bad. Um, I also didn't have kids at the time. So obviously I could sleep, do whatever, watch movies. And I was on the last leg from Toronto to Winnipeg, which is a pretty short flight. And by this time, I'm really tired and I just want to get home. You know, I've been traveling for 20 some hours. So we board the plane, the doors have closed, everyone is on. 
And I'm pregnant, right? So I have to pee like every 30 seconds. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, I kind of just want to go like one more time before we take off. Just, you know, before we have to be seatbelted and whatever. So the flight attendant comes past and I'm like, hey, do you think I can just like quickly go to the bathroom before we take off? And she's like, yeah, yeah, no problem. Go for it. And so the plane is really small. And there's only one bathroom on the back of the plane. So I make my way down there. I go in, do my thing. I'm super fast. You know, I know everyone's waiting. And I go to open the latch and it doesn't open. And I'm like, okay, these aren't the most sophisticated locks out there. Like, there's no way this doesn't open. You literally just have to slide it to the side. But like, I'm jiggling it and it is not opening. And I guess someone heard me trying to open it. So they called the flight attendant and she comes and knocks on the door and she's like, hey, are you okay in there? I'm like, yes, I'm fine. I just, I can't get the door open. So she's like, okay, no problem. Like I'll try on my side here. Let's try it together. And I'm sure it'll open, but it doesn't open. It's totally jammed. And I'm thinking like, I really do not need to get stuck in an airplane toilet right now. Like I just, please just let me get home. And she's like, okay, like, don't panic. I'm going to call the captain and we're going to sort this out. And I'm like, wow, okay, great. So the captain comes and he's like, lady, are you okay in there? And I'm like, yes, like, I'm fine. I just can't open the door. And he's like, okay, don't panic. I'm going to break the door down. And I'm like, wow, this has like really escalated. What a show for everyone. And he's like yelling. He's talking so loud and making a scene. And he's like, I need you to move away from the door. And I'm like, sir, have you been inside an airplane bathroom? Like, where am I going to go? And also, I'm huge. So I'm taking up the space of two normal sized humans. And he's like, move away from the door. I've got a fire extinguisher and I'm going to break the door down. And I'm like, wow, okay, this is just wonderful. So he busts the door down and I'm finally free and I can make my walk of shame back to my seat. And everyone is just like, oh my gosh, you okay? I'm like, yes, I'm fine. Like, can we please just go and I can melt into my seat here and disappear? Like, I'm so embarrassed. And then, okay, so the captain goes back to the cockpit and then I hear on the intercom his voice and he's like, Okay, everyone, I'm not sure if you saw, but a pregnant lady was stuck in the bathroom and we had to break the door down to get her out. And I'm like, okay, really? Like, we were all here. No no one needs a play-by-play of what just happened. Like, we all saw. And then he goes, I'm really sorry to tell everyone this, but legally we need to have a working toilet. So unfortunately, everyone is going to need to deboard the plane and we're going to try and get this door fixed or get you guys on another plane. I'm so sorry. And so everyone is just like giving me death stares because like the freaking prego couldn't hold it for two hours. And so we all had to deboard and wait. But you know what? Like what if this had happened mid-flight? Like I'm actually kind of a hero. Like imagine someone had got stuck mid-flight in the toilet and then we had to like make an emergency landing. I mean, I kind of saved everyone. And... I'm pretty much a hero. I mean, I don't know why they didn't give me like a medal of honor or something because wow, what a time. So now I have this like irrational fear of airplane toilets. And every time I go inside, I just am like, oh my goodness, the door, I I don't want to slide it shut because I'm going to get stuck because of course this would happen to me. Um, I do have another funny slash horrifying story of when we flew here last year with our kids, but I'm going to leave that one for next week. It's pretty wild. 
Okay, so back to the listener email about favorite foods that I miss and cannot find here. That is a very long list, but I have compiled some of the ones that are the most sad and surprising to not have near and dear. So here are some of the things that you cannot find in Brazil. At least I have never seen it. Just like as a disclaimer, like I know I live in more of like a smaller city, but a lot of these apply to when I lived in Belo as well, which was, like I said, a massive city. And I, I couldn't find most, if any, of these things there either. So sour cream is one of them. Um, I tried to make this once and it was absolutely disgusting. I mean, I'm not a great cook, so I may have done something wrong in the process, but also I feel like sour cream is really hard to replicate well. I don't know. Um, salad dressing is another thing. You can find some, like I've seen a few flavors at the store, but not like the entire aisle like we have in Canada. Um, and no ranch dressing, which is so sad. I have seen some recipes for it and I tried to make it once and it was, you know, okay, but not the same. Um, coffee cream. Most people here drink their coffee black with a lot of sugar or they might just add some milk, but there's no cream. And like I've never seen coffee cream, half and half cream. Like there is this cream they can find like in a in a little box like on the shelf, but it's not meant for like drinking or like you can cook with it, but you wouldn't put it in your coffee. Um, and I have a friend who lived in the States for a while and he's like, oh my goodness, like half and half changed my life. I miss it so much. I'm like, yes, yes, you get it. Um, syrup, another thing I've only seen, um, specifically maple syrup. I will say one time I found Canadian maple syrup in this super random gas station. It was like $25 for this tiny little bottle and I absolutely bought it as a treat, but I've never seen it again, unfortunately. Um, salsa, like Mexican salsa. Once in a while, you can find like a really small little jar in one of the big chain grocery stores. I have seen it. I did buy it. It wasn't very good. It wasn't like spicy or anything. It just kind of tasted like tomato paste. So I started making my own, but like I'm not a pioneer. Like I don't want to be making all my food from scratch. So not ideal for me. Taco shells, I can't find here. Cheddar cheese. I know you're probably thinking, like, how do you make a taco? Like, it's so sad, right? Cheese, actually, in general, this might be offensive, but I do not like any of the cheese here. I have tried buying, like, every brand and flavor. I just don't like any of them. They just don't taste good to me. And I really like sharp cheddar cheese. Ugh, so good. It just doesn't exist. Um, frozen fruit, interestingly. Like, not the end of the world because there's fresh fruit. But you know how it's so handy to have, like, frozen cut-up fruit for, like, smoothies and stuff? Um, not really a thing here. Uh, potato chips. This one is absolutely devastating to me. There's like Doritos, Ruffles, Plain, and then Pringles has like three flavors as well. And there's maybe like one or two other like non-name brand ones, but it is not how like we have in North America, like an entire aisle in the grocery store dedicated to potato chips, like Lay's, Old Dutch, Miss Vicky's, and then all of those brands have all their own million flavors. And like, this is so sad for me because I'm the person that will eat like chips out of a bowl with a spoon. So I am having quite the withdrawal. Uh, hummus is another one I've never seen. You can make your own hummus, I know, but like, I, that's not really interesting to me. Chocolate chips are very hard to find. Like, they're really hit and miss. It's funny because 
it'll be like the store will go through like phases where like you can find them, you can buy them. You have to buy them in a huge bag. They don't sell them in like small bags or anything. You have to buy like a giant bag of them. And so I'll buy that and then all of a sudden they'll just be gone. And you, for weeks, there'll just be no chocolate chips and you have to cut up, you know, your own chocolate. Um, raspberries, I've never seen them here. Um, there's a specialty fruit store and I asked them about it once and she said the climate is not very forgiving to keep them fresh. I guess because it's just so incredibly hot. She's like, they just get ruined so quickly. So they don't even bother. Um, cereal, I mentioned this last time, I think, or on one of the other episodes, that it's just not really a thing here. They do have a few different kinds, but they're really expensive and not great flavors. A lot of, like, convenient type, like, taco seasoning or other kind of seasoning or prepackaged type things, like a prepackaged salad, you know, like, you just, you can't find that. Or, like, you know, how I said, the pre-cut frozen fruit, and it just really makes me realize, like, how much North Americans just love to pay for convenience. I think if you've ever traveled somewhere for an extended period of time, food is one of the things that you just really start to miss first. It's just such a comfort thing. And if you're like me and you love to eat, you probably start missing it a lot sooner than most people. Um, So someone asked me the other day, they're like, well, why don't you just get your family and friends to mail you food, not like a care package? Um, And there's two problems with that. First, it's really expensive to mail things to Brazil. I'm assuming just, you know, how far it is. But second of all, there's like a 50% chance you'll never get it. The mail system here is, um, how do I say this, like chaotic at best. Like I have a friend who sent me something from Canada at Christmas time in 2022, like seven months ago, just like a small envelope with some cards and whatever. And we're still waiting to get it like six months later, which is normal, unfortunately. Um, and on the other hand, like I've had someone send me a package and it arrived in like nine days. So it's just like one extreme or the other. And I don't think it's just because of where we live, like logistically, because even when I lived in Bello, I had the same problem with like packages not arriving. Um, but I actually got to see firsthand how the mail system works over here. So let me tell you a little bit about this. So there is Amazon. You can order a lot of things off Amazon. Um, Not, I would say, with like the ease of North America, like how you can order literally anything off Amazon. That's not the case. But you can order quite a bit. Um, And it usually arrives, but it's also not like in Canada where you can leave the package on the doorstep because it would be thieved instantly. Like you could never leave anything outside if you didn't want it to disappear. So someone always has to be home to receive the package regardless of what it is it can be like the tiniest thing like if no one's there they won't leave it and so for me that's normally okay because I work from home but one time I asked the delivery guy I was like so what would you do if I wasn't home and he's like well someone has to be home and I said right but most people work during the day so how does that work then and he goes well you would need to assign a neighbor as a safe drop-off and I'm like "Ugh, talk to my neighbors like no thanks no I'm just kidding my mother-in-law is my neighbor so it's fine but also, like, most of my neighbors work during the day. So I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Just an interesting system. So a couple weeks ago, I had ordered something off Amazon, my microphone, actually, that I'm using right now for the podcast. And I was checking the status of it constantly. And one day at, like, 8 a.m., I saw it was out for delivery. And I was like, oh, perfect. Like, so I waited all day. I had a few meetings. So I told my husband, like, hey, I'm going to a meeting. Make sure you're listening for the door. But no one knocked. And then at like 4 p.m., I got the dreaded message, 
delivery attempted, address not found or incorrect. And I was like, what? So I double checked the address. Nope, the address was fine. Like, what the heck? So we drive over to the mail place and it's already closed. The guy's like, you'll have to come back tomorrow. So first thing in the morning, we go to the back entrance and ask someone. He's like, okay, well, where do you live? There's a guy who specifically delivers to that area of town. So let's, you can wait for him to show up and then talk to him. Okay, so we wait and wait and wait. Some other guy shows up to work. So we go talk to him and I'm like, hey, I got a message that a delivery was attempted, but they couldn't find my address. And he's like, oh, that doesn't mean anything. You know, sometimes if we just run at a time, we just, you know, type in whatever code we feel like. So the person who was delivering it probably just ran at a time, punched in address not found, you know. I was like, well, why? So then he's like, well, let me just check. So he looks up the tracking code and he's like, oh, yeah, that package didn't even go out yesterday. I was like, what? So you just say that it's out for delivery even though it's not? And he's like, yeah, totally. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, okay, so where is my package now? And he's like, uh, somewhere in the back. But I can see that it's going out today. And I'm actually the person who's going to be delivering it. And I was like, oh, perfect. So, like, what time do you think you'll do that? And he's like, I don't know. Uh, what, what time are you going to be home? And I'm like, what on earth? Like, you have to go to the back warehouse and arrange a drop-off, like a drug deal, to get your mail. I'm like, this is so funny. So I said, okay, well, I've got a thing at my kid's school this morning, but you know, by lunch, I'm home and I'll be home for the rest of the day. And he's like, oh, yeah, no worries. He's like, I'll be by around lunch to drop it off then for sure. And I was like, oh, okay, great. Well, lunchtime comes and goes and then it's 2, 3, 4 p.m. and nothing. So we drive back to the mail place and of course, it's already closed. And I'm like, oh, my stars, like I'm going to lose it. So we go around to the back again and someone comes out and I'm like, where is my package? And she's like, well, most of the delivery guys have already come back. So I'm assuming it didn't go out. Let, let me check. So she looks it up in the system and she's like, uh, yeah, looks like the guy didn't show up to work today. And I was like, I literally just talked to him this morning. Like, what on earth? Where is my package? And she's like, oh, well, it just says in absence. So I, I don't know. And I mean, we've already established that the codes don't really mean anything and they just punch in whatever they feel like. So who knows if that's even the case? But OK. And she's like, ah, it's been a crazy day. You know, the mailroom was full, but I can go and see if I can find your package. So I'm like, okay, great. So we're waiting and waiting and waiting. And finally she comes out and gives me a package. And she's like, yeah, here you go. I'm like, oh, well, do you want to like check my ID or something first? And she's like, uh, yeah, sure. I guess. What's your name? So I tell her and she's like, okay, yeah, that's good. See you later. And then that's kind of when like I realized like, okay, I get why the mail system is the way it is here. Make makes sense. So if you were planning on sending me a large gift in the mail, um, you probably want to rethink that because there's a good chance that I just won't get it. Well, that's all the time we've got for this week. If you enjoyed this episode of Antisocial Anecdotes, you can subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to drop me a note, you can do that on Instagram or on my website at antisocialanecdotes.com contact. I would love to hear from you. That's all for now. We'll see you next week.